Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Really? No, really? Really? Well, hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday, if you're listening on a Tuesday. If not, happy whatever day you're on. I am Jason Alexander, here with my best pal. Peter Tillman. And this is the podcast. Really? No, really. And this is a glorious day for many reasons, but the biggest thing for me is, if you've been following the show, Peter has refused for many episodes to wear our Really No Really branded logo shirt, but today... You have either given in I've or given you've up. risen I've given to. Up. No, I've given up. You're so annoying. You haven't risen to, you've given I've in. Risen, yeah, I've given up. I've you know what? I don't, care, I don't care what direction you've gone to achieve this end. You look like a, a failed racing team. This is what it looks like. But it's fine. I'll wear the logo. All right. Really? No, I really. feel better. Really, no, I feel really. better about the whole thing. We've got a major... And that's good because the topic we're doing today, I, 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 I'm, a, I, I'm a little... I, I, I make no bones about it. it this is... I, we're, we're, we're going into waters that I find treacherous and scary and dark. And then I, I find... I think treacherous, scary, and dark, although in reading as much as I have about AI and ChatGPT, it's, th- there are a lot of questions about the accuracy of what we're reading, and there's always an underlying um, reason that people are putting out information, and I'm a little bit questioning what we're hearing out of Silicon Valley, because I don't know how, how much you can trust the tech guys to give you transparency about what's really going on. Absolutely. So to state our really no really for the day, We are all aware of the emerging technology of artificial intelligence, AI. Our really no really today is that Elon Musk and 3,000 other tech influencers, tech executives, academics, have created an open letter where they have asked that we pause our work on the advancements of AIs, a moratorium on what could be a dangerous AI 
and the race to advance it. So the guys who are creating it, pushing it, promoting it, and are probably going to profit from it are at the moment saying, maybe we should slow this down a little bit. Really? really? No, no, really. really. <laughs> so we wanted to find out, number one, I don't think it's a nice letter. I haven't seen a, are they pausing? I don't think so. Um, and there's theory that Elon Musk wanted to slow it down so he can catch up. Yeah, he wanted to slow everybody else down. But we wanted right. to get on somebody who was amazingly invested in this. And Jaron Lanier, it, it, you look at his bio. First of all, international bestseller on many, many books. I've watched a bunch of his talks, and I'm fascinated with his take because he was right there at the start of virtual reality, the beginning of the internet, and, and talks about Wait, it. Wait, uh, do we have Al Gore on? <laughs> yeah, I think it was Al was over there. Uh, okay. I got confused for a moment. He was, he was named one of the 25 most influential people in the previous 25 really? years of tech history. Yeah. Dang. Also one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time Magazine. Really? Top 50 world thinkers by Prospect Magazine. Really? At the people who named him this, were any of them on the list? I don't know. Or, is this, or some... is this the low-hanging fruit going, <laughs> that no. looks sparkly? Jared, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for coming Hi, on. Hi, Jared. Man. Oh, hey. Hey, I am doing splendidly. How are you guys? I'm doing Very really well. well. Thanks for, for visiting with us. I know how busy you are. And uh, also how intelligent you are and the fact that you would talk to us is just an immense... Uh, we're uh, always joy. impressed with people who... who <laughs> We'll talk to Who are willing to talk down to two little idiots like us. Uh, well, you <laughs> know, in, in Silicon Valley, we aspire to become as wise as Hollywood. <laughs> we aspire to your ethics. We aspire yes. to your trustworthiness. Oh, and, good uh, luck and, to you. And your business acumen. So yes, I'm very high to, bars. I'm here to learn at your feet. So God wait, bless. So wait, let me, so <laughs> you said so many fascinating, fascinating things. Number one, let's address the pause. Am I right to say, hold on a second. So that well, look, I, I mean, um, uh, you, you, <laughs> the, the pause letter was, was written by a buddy of mine who lives like almost, he's a near neighbor. That's okay. uh, Anthony from the Institute, the Future of Life Institute. I mean, I, I, um, I'm, I, a lot of my dear friends signed the pause letter. I didn't, the problem I have with it is I think we sometimes, over-dramatize or sort of exaggerate what we're doing. And it sounds in the near term like we're doing it in order to be careful and safe. But I'm afraid we're actually... Oh, God, I want to say this in a nice way. I feel like we're kind of a little bit saturated by the science fiction movies we grew up with instead of looking clearly at what we're doing. And so, you know... We grew up on the lovely portrayal of Commander Data on the 90s Star Trek. We grew up with the Matrix movies. We grew up with the Terminator movies yeah. and so on. And cumulatively, that becomes almost like a religion you grew up with. It's like, you know, the, we just had a Seder and uh, we, we repeat this story of leaving Egypt every year. And uh, I think something like that happens in computer science where we see these stories of like the, our own programs will take over every year. And now uh, there might be something like that that could happen, but that would be some other kind of program than what we're doing now or what we know how to do now. What we're doing now is a giant mashup technology where we take everything we can get that anybody's written, anything's photographed or painted, anything people have coded where we grab the code and we put it into this giant mashup machine. And then we can make new combinations of what's there from people. So what we're really looking at is a new giant 
social collaboration mediated by this amazing mashup technology. Can it do harm? Sure. Can we make ourselves crazy? Yeah. Um, Can we screw up our economy? Yeah. Can we, you know, we can do a lot of stupid stuff with it, but this is not Skynet. This is not this thing that's going to take over. and, And I feel like when we over-dramatize it, when we let it become a monster, uh, we're actually, in a way, making the problem worse. We're, we're, we're doing harm. So I, that's why I didn't sign it. Um, you know, so, but that's, you know, I say, I'm not saying anything that I don't say to the people who wrote it, who are, like I say, friends. And, and uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is go around to the community and see if we can all agree on something a little bit more concrete and constructive, but that's, I'm not ready to say what that might be yet, but I'm, I believe we can do things that express our concerns and, and try to, I think we can try to be more careful and ethical uh, because I do think we need to do that, but I don't, I, I think we need to do it without terror. We, we, we can't allow ourselves to be paralyzed by our childhood fantasies. Well, well, Jaron, the, the, the examples you're citing, you know, HAL 9000 and, and, and uh, Space oh, Odyssey yeah. and, and Skynet, what seems to be dominant in those fictions is that this technology has become both sentient and self-directed. Is any of that true in what is being established right now? Well, you know, um, there's a kind of edge of uncertainty about all this because this question of what's sentient and what's intelligent is not a very well-formed or precise question. And actually, we humans treat each other as sentient as a matter of faith, if it's okay to use that word, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think the approach that I've come to, which is not the common one in the tech community, but I, I do think it's where people land after they've really considered what's going on here, is that the, the pragmatic choice? Is it okay to say, can I use words like this? You of course you can. Does, does this offend your Hollywood soul? Oh, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look, look, I, oh, 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 should I be playing softball? I'm sorry. By anyway, the way, um, we're doing a podcast. We are Hollywood adjacent at this point. So. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of Hollywood's about to be Hollywood adjacent. Uh, right. with you, but, uh, but look, um, <laughs> We, we should talk about the Writers Guild while we're on it, but, right. but we'll get back to that. Okay. Um, so look, um, the pragmatic issue here is, does it make any difference what you think? Like, if you think that the big computer programs like the GPTs are possibly sentient or whatever, um, does that make any difference? Or is that just how you feel? Because sometimes you can have opinions and feelings about things, and it's really just your private thing, and it doesn't matter. Uh in this case, I think it matters a bit because people treat the programs differently in a way that could have consequence for others. Like, for instance, let's say, um, let's just say hypothetically, it's a few years from now and we've made our models even bigger and we can just ask for a movie and it appears. We can say, um, I want uh, I want to have Gone with the Wind redone by Spielberg, except with an all midget cast and it should be a musical in the style of Soundheim and uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You do this thing. It doesn't sound like a very good movie, but anyway, we don't care because we'll make that thing. Uh, when we make it, there won't be a script because the script will happen automatically. There won't be a composer because the soundtrack will happen automatically. There won't be a director of photography because that'll happen automatically. It'll just pop out. But the thing is, 
there will have been writers and directors of photography and uh, everybody who would normally contribute and get a credit in a movie will be back there. It's just that they'll have provided the example material that's mashed up to make this new thing. Uh Right. So the process will be different. It'll just pop out out of a giant statistical calculation for better or for worse, even if it's not a good movie. But if we want to remember who created the examples that are used to create that, we can still calculate whose examples were important. Those people can get credited and paid, even if there's not any explicit explicit stage where many things do happen. That's interesting. So the thing is, if you believe that what we have is a giant alien brain that's just totally freestanding and doesn't depend on people, you're less likely to want to adopt a system where you acknowledge the people and come up with a new kind of economy where people can feel proud for what they've done authentically and honestly. If you're willing to accept that this whole thing is just a giant mashup of people and you're not so concerned with whether it's sentient or something, if you just treat it as a giant tool, then you open your eyes and you can have this new kind of economy where people can still be proud and paid honestly based on what they've actually done. So this thing about whether we believe the programs are sentient, there's no absolute yes or no. We have It's all based on faith anyway. But pragmatically, if you believe that computers aren't sentient, you have a better chance of seeing a way to make a decent society. Or, or let, let me put it another way. If you want the world to benefit people, it's just easier if you think people are special. That doesn't mean in some absolute sense people are special from the point of view of every possible alien or God or whatever. But for us, if we think people are special, we have a better chance of doing a civilization together in which people are special. I mean, it's just obvious. But Jaron, you know, what I love about all the stuff I've seen and read that you've done, it's, it's positive, it's hopeful, which is really refreshing with, with all of these doom and gloom scenarios. But we told people that were fired from factories that you automated to learn code. And now they can't even find work doing that because technology mm-hmm. is going to be writing yeah. the code. And then you read that at Goldman Sachs or one of the investment firms said 300 million jobs Sure. Will be eliminated, and I'm thinking, what are they teaching in schools to the next generation? <laughs> uh, and I think the head of our podcast yeah. division even said his kid will probably have a job that doesn't even exist today. So wh- how do you how do you take that into consideration when we're looking out for people to tell those people what should we be doing to make sure you're not disenfranchised? Well, look, the the future is going to be different from the past, and I think it's hard to. It's a fool's game to try to solve all these things perfectly in advance. But can I give you like sort of one scenario that I sure. think is uh, hopeful and, and you know, I'm sure it's not perfect, but it's like a, a start. So here's the scenario. Um, where I live part of the time is on at the top of the ridge in Berkeley, California. And before um, the recent uh, extraordinary rains, we went through a tremendously damaging series of fires, fire seasons, right. mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, um, for us, it meant five mandatory evacuations. Wow. And the fire marshal came around and said, you know, you really shouldn't count on your neighborhood continuing to exist. Uh, and uh, it, uh, maybe, you know, in LA, people are familiar with this problem. Certainly people in Malibu are very familiar with this problem. And um, I became really interested in like, why does our neighborhood still exist? Why hasn't it burned down like so many other places? And what I realized is that some sometimes 
the city and county get people to trim their trees or improve their roofs? Not that often because we're all really prickly and difficult up there. <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes somebody's, somebody will fix the area around their own house and whatever, but there's this whole other thing in between, which is the, the people who are hired to trim the trees and be the gardeners and keep the grounds. Um, they talk to each other over the fences and they coordinate to reduce fire threat by reducing how trees touch each other and stuff, you know, and I was like amazed that this is going on unofficially and without any mandate. A lot of them are undocumented. A lot of them uh, don't speak English. Some of them are multi-generation American citizens with great businesses and are doing well. Some of them are marginal. Um, but I was amazed that these people are there keeping us alive. So why am I talking about them? Because um, there's also a prototype robot we play with at the lab once in a while, which looks like a, a mechanical snake that can slither up trees or phone poles yeah. and do trimming and then slither down. It looks really cool. It's not quite ready for prime time yet, but some kind of robot will be out there doing trees at some point. And the question is, what happens to these people? Right. So it's not a factory job, but it's a blue collar job. Right. So I want to give you a vision of what happens to them. All right. So um, what happened in a few years, there's some uh, van that's painted like it was in a nursery school and it drives up beside them with all of these cameras and other sensors looking at them. And it's operated by, oh, let's just say Google, which likes doing that sort of thing. But it's like one of us tech company things you know there's just like and the the um the people who work on the tree saying oh crap okay it's coming they're studying what they do and the robots will come and now we're gonna what'll become of us what'll we do um uh and and uh, we'll live on tents you know and by the starbucks i guess uh, what are we gonna do and um there's another option though which is they say aha the robots are coming we're going to form a data union and we're going to negotiate for them to get data from us. And we're going to become, we're going to not be a manual labor class anymore. We're going to become a new creative class, like all those fancy writers and, and set designers and composers and all those people. We're going to be the new creatives. And the way we're going to do it is every single year, we're going to start designing extraordinary things in trees. We're going to trim trees so that they're also holograms. We're going to trim lawns so that they have mazes in them. We're going to do all these incredible things, and we're going to go through fashions. And then people are going to want that, and they're going to ask for it from the robots. And the robots are going to depend on our designs, and we're going to get royalties from it. So instead of becoming a dependent class, once things are automated, there's this option to create a new creative class where there wasn't one before because the technology makes that possible. All right. Um, that's uh, the, 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 the sort of buzzword for that approach of inverting everything and, and making it a, a person first technology. We call that data dignity. Um, now, anybody who hears it might respond skeptically. They'll say, well, how many possible jobs like that could there be? For that particular example, of supplying examples for gardening and tree trimming robots, probably not a whole lot of jobs. But on the other hand, there'll be a zillion examples like that because there are about to be tons and tons of kinds of robots and tons and tons of examples of AI, AI what we call AI programs. I don't like the term, but there'll be tons of examples of this stuff. And every time there's a new example of some kind of fancy automation, there's an opportunity for a new world of creative people to turn that thing into an art form instead of just purely a functional activity. And so I think what you can have is an image of a future advanced economy where you have an expanding set of creative professions based on what technology allows to become creative uh, instead of an expanding set of dependent people. Now, 
Does that mean everybody gets to be creative? I mean, that math probably doesn't work out. But the point is to get to a society where you don't have a gigantic preponderance of people who feel useless. Um, people who feel useless turn into the very most dangerous kind of creature, which is a seeker of meaning. And you, mm. we don't want that. That that doesn't end well. So we want we want to have this pleasant concordance, this pleasant consilience between economic value, personal meaning, personal uh, connection and provision of, of things that are valued on, on other, other terms with other people. That's what we want. That's how you make a decent society. Let me, that okay, survive. and that sounds amazing. But to your, your point, of, you, you've said that the internet and tech, the problem is not the system. It's the monetary system behind it, which is what drives mm -hmm. it. It's a business model, mm -hmm. okay? Are there enough Jarens out there that are going to be creative? They're going to feel it's important not to disenfranchise people that we have to create right. and put together labs to create this stuff because not everybody can do it unless there's a business model that makes sense because the business model may not originally make sense. And if I, yeah. can, if I can just tag on to that, no, no. going back to your Hollywood example where, you know, we're talking about credit and payment and royalty, it presumes a Hollywood-like structure in which the producer, the financier, is willing to afford credit. To the to the originators, uh, you know we we're we're I don't know much about the rap world, but you know I hear about people using samples of other artists' music and not crediting and not necessarily paying for them. Well, that goes back to Motown. That goes back. That's that's the history of recorded music. Yeah, ripping off people. So I, I just worry about those original creators that are building the database not receiving those credits from people yeah. that are after pure profit. The the scenario, I just described to you is technically feasible, you're bringing up a very important question, which is, it, is it politically feasible? Right. So what we have to remember is the reason that artists get paid is not that producers love paying artists. Now, it's possible that neither of you have ever met any Hollywood producers, but I have, and I can assure you they don't enjoy paying artists. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to burst your bubble or shock you with that information. Now, um, the reason they do is is that a century ago, there was this world of uh, political activism around unions and union rights. Right. And different kinds of creatives were able to establish rights to be paid. For instance, musicians had this thing called mechanicals, which right. computers have kind of blasted apart. And I, I, Within tech culture, there's this, a lot of this idea, well, everything should be free and musicians wanting to be paid is terrible. That was a big deal for, for years. I, I think the, the worst example of things falling apart is local news. We, we've lost local news because we centralized all advertising, including localized advertising. And uh, I think the world suffered terribly for that. And so w there needs to be a political process to acknowledge contributions and commercial value of people out at the periphery, not just the people who own the hubs like we do. Uh, and that, that'll be good for everyone. So that is a political question. That's, that's not a technical question. Is it possible to get there? I mean, we did it a century ago, you know, so it's clearly possible whether, whether we can do it again. I, I'm not certain, but I, I do want to give you a couple of signs of hope here. Okay. Sure. Um, the business model that really screwed with people in the last uh, couple decades is called the advertising model for the internet, but it's not really advertising. It's a, it's a 
paid influence model where you're supposed to be sharing for free, uh, you get free services, but then the money goes to the companies off to the side out of view. And uh, some of the money is from traditional advertisers, some of it isn't. Um, some of the advertising is totally fine. A, a lot of it isn't. And in fact, since the whole system is turned into a persuasion machine, it's like laying out a red carpet for unsavory persuaders. Like the whole structure is, is just an invitation to Putin to send fake people in to try to screw up our elections and whatnot. Now, the thing is, part of the reason that that worked was that people had such low... Uh, oh, God. Sorry, I just got um, a pop-up. A pop anyway, a part of the reason that works is that people... <laughs> Bad news, good news. You just made 8 million bucks here, or you lost like, 8 million... <laughs> can, your, can your computer restart now? Would that be okay with you? And like, no, actually, that would not be okay. Anyway, um, so... Somebody's listening. <laughs> Everybody's listening. Yeah, you, can, you should complain to some Microsoft scientist about that, right. and we'll ignore Hello. you. Hello. Okay, so look, um, the expectation of search was really low. And so search is kind of a corrupt thing where you get a ton of commercial stuff and it's actually not that well organized for your benefit. When you use GPT, when you use a chat to do the same searches, you get better stuff. But suddenly that paid link thing is a little less powerful. If we started, I, I mean, I don't know where this will go. Maybe the standard practice in five or 10 years will be that the AI you ask for information is secretly measuring you and figuring out how to manipulate you. And it only gives you information if it also persuades you about some other thing politically or whatever it is. That could be the world we enter into. That's the world where we all get crazy enough that I question human survival. And I hope that's not the world we enter into. A better world we enter into is one where we start to acknowledge that if we're going to live in a market economy at all, it has to be comprehensive and inclusive for everyone who participates. And so, yeah, you might, you might still get free chat, you might get free search, but only at a certain level. It might be a, what we call a freemium model where people who are using it to help out with taxes or whatever start to pay some for it. So it just becomes normal commerce instead of sneaky commerce. And nobody likes paying money, but, you know, when you're saving money by being manipulated, your whole world gradually gets dark and everything gets kind of crazy the way it has lately. And uh, it's just too high a price to pay. So the fact that the GPT interface tends to pull people away from the traditional advertising business model actually could be the very best thing about it. Mm. But you also, you know, what? I, th I think this is you saying that social media has become a behavior modification machine, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, been, I've been known to say that. I've only been saying that God, you know, my first my first piece of that about that, I was looking at my old uh, publications, 92. I was worried about that because there were already some discussions about th this sort of notion. And it just seemed like such. And if you really want to go back, there's some other people like Norbert Wiener who were saying it in 1950. So like, but that's worrisome. If, if yeah. I don't know how I'm being moved and there are tech companies that are becoming more and more powerful. And, and like you, you know, AI is this. Wizard of Oz thing over there, but it's really people behind it who are putting in the algorithms. Oh, the Where did that metaphor come from? Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, it's, it's, sure, it's sure, their sure. people. And I don't know what their agenda is, and I don't know how pure their agenda is. So all of a sudden, I'm moving in a direction that I'm not even capable of understanding, knowing, and I don't know that I'm moving there. That, to me, is really... That sounds dangerous. Right. Yeah, that's a horrible, creepy thing, and it's resulted in... Uh, 
it's I think it's really made the internet into overall a negative force in the world, which breaks my heart because I worked so hard to try to make the internet work. You know, that that was you know in the in the latter part of the last century, and it's sad. It's it's devastating how it turned out when you look at the statistics on teen mental health and suicides. When you look at um, what's happened to politics around the world a few years after Facebook shows right. up consistently. When you look at, uh, uh, well, as I said, local news, the devastation of it, it's, it's, it's really a drag. It's really a nuisance. Uh, but, but, but here we have a moment of transition. This is a big deal. We have a chance to reset things. And I hope we use it wisely. That's why I'm talking to you guys and getting starting to get around a little bit. That's great. It's, I really think there's an opportunity here to make this better. Well, we need you because it's so non-transparent. I don't know if you know, if you can address the algorithm. Can somebody go in there and know? The, the concern is it keeps grabbing information and adding to information, but we don't know mm -hmm. the inputting of that information. And is anybody right. ever going to be transparent? Yeah. So um, in my... I want to answer you with scrupulous honesty there's a level of this tracing of who mattered to the input to the big model for a particular output like which artist was really important for a particular piece of synthetic art there's a level that's been demonstrated that their academic papers are about but there's a more important level of that possible attribution or we call it provenance that we haven't achieved or demonstrated and there's a chance that we can't because there, there there is until something's been done you can't be sure my very best guess as an informed computer science is that we can do it and we will for them i i think an interesting question is why haven't we because yeah. it means that other things were prioritized and uh perhaps those priorities weren't the right priorities and um it, that might have a little bit to do with the science fiction culture of wanting it's I think the whole internet has this problem of being unnecessarily obscure. Like the whole internet is based on having this chaos where you don't know anything where anything came from. And there's not any particular reason for the internet to be that way. That was a choice. And it's possible that we really want this science fiction scenario of this mysterious thing, even if we think it might kill us, that there's something, the draw of building that is just so powerful, the mythological idea intensity of it just gets to people so that there might be something like that but we just have to kind of blow past that and uh we 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 have to do what we can to measure provenance and that's going to be a bit of a technical project it's not going to happen tomorrow but it can happen pretty soon i think hopefully hey drew scott here and i'm jonathan scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from american family insurance they can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto kind of like goldilocks and the three bears it'll be just right for you we love a custom build american family insurance insure carefully dream fearlessly get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com products not available in every state visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you american family mutual insurance company si and its operating company 6000 american parkway madison wisconsin I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jaren, just tangentially, we, we, uh, our producer sent in a question for us going back a step. Um, the controversy over TikTok right now and the Chinese ownership and what mm-hmm. it may or may mm-hmm. not be nefariously doing. Mm-hmm. It, it, just in your opinion, because you are one of the great opinion makers about this technology, should TikTok be banned? Should, or should we be wary of this? Uh, this is a deeply uncomfortable topic because of the intergenerational dynamic of it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 um, I've always believed that you should extend every possible uh, sliver <laughs> of good faith that you can muster to younger generations. And uh, the, I always thought that that would mean their crazy music and habits and relationship patterns or whatever. But I, this is different because this is they've been for the most part captured by this thing that's uh, potentially quite malicious, depending on how things go. Um, there are scenarios for what the the Chinese Communist Party could expect from TikTok in the event of heightened tensions that are very disturbing and yet plausible. Um, I think the usual way the threat is described is incredibly understated. Um, I, I mean, well, all right, here's the scenario. Um, the Chinese just feel they must invade Taiwan because they're just certain it's a necessary thing and they just can't abide by this island being out there. They're just obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And so the morning of the invasion, every American military member, whether or not they have TikTok, Every American politician, every member of the intelligence establishment, major people in industry, all get on their phones through some channel a very convincing-looking video of their children being abducted or tortured in their own house that's synthesized by, you know, AI synthetic video thing all at once. 
it's all it's all fake. Or maybe there's a handful of situations that are real, you know, just to make it even more confusing. It takes people a day to figure out it's all fake, but that's the day, you know, uh, that's Jeez. the day of the invasion. That's not something the Chinese could do today. Could they do it in a year or two? Yeah. Would they? I don't know. I mean, I've had occasion to meet a lot of people high up in the Chinese uh, party, and um, they vary as much as people in any community. I think uh, a lot of the ones I met would not do that, but some of them, yeah, maybe, you know, so I think it it becomes a little uncertain how much a foreign adversary who's just so certain of their cause, how much they might be willing to stoop to something like that. And is that plausible? Yeah. You know, it's technically not, like I say, not yet. Based on what we've seen from the AI efforts from the big Chinese companies in recent weeks today, in fact, there was one that wasn't that great, but you know, they can figure it out. It's not that big a deal. It's all, all the techniques are published. Uh, yeah. So like I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I would wow. personally, I would personally uh, ban TikTok entirely, or nationalize it in some extremely serious way, or something. I would also, I mean, this is a tricky thing. Do we turn off the internet in the U.S. on the day of an invasion because of fear of something like that? I, I maybe, you know, I don't know, because I mean, um, if we looked at just how strongly Putin really, really, really believes it's worth any cost to just destroy Ukraine to gain it. Um, Putin's abilities in this department are not remotely as strong as China's could be if they wanted to focus them. You know, China's just a bigger, richer place. Yeah. With honestly, with more computer science talent, and they make the chips. And all, I mean, it's like they could. So yeah, I mean, I I really do think TikTok is a problem. Now, I have to say, I like a lot about TikTok. I like the dance culture on TikTok. I really do. Some might scoff at it, but I think it's great. Um, I uh, I think. It does have all the problems of social media of encur encouraging this kind of nervous vanity and uh, uh, irritability in people who use it too much. Uh, it's not alone in that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a real problem. It breaks my heart because I, I, I want to stay with the young people, you know. Let me ask you this, Jaron. If you could, knowing what you know and what we're talking about, if there was a golden rule or a f five or ten commandments that you can impose upon this technology going forward. Are there a couple of principles that you wish were absolutes going forward? Well, I'm, uh, I think there's a danger in expecting anybody to have like a perfect knowledge in advance of how to deal with something complicated. So the, the first answer to you is, would be no, I, I don't. However, one thing I've been trying to do, especially since that letter asking for a pause started going around from my friends, is um, I've been calling people in the community, and I'm I I believe there are like five or ten rules that are held essentially unanimously by AI scientists and and technologists, uh, but they haven't been assembled. I'd like to assemble them because uh, I I think we sometimes give the impression that we're just flailing about and unable to do anything, but Right. Achieve our own work with paralytic terror. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so, for instance, um, I believe everyone thinks that there should be a quantitative limit on how much an algorithm can model a person and manipulate that person without the person's informed consent. Oh, so, uh, the, re the 
so it's it can't be an absolute absolute rule because a little bit of that's going to happen just to sort of figure out how you like your pizza delivered mm-hmm. whether you want the, the pizza person to knock on the door or just leave it by the door you know like that kind of thing there has to be a little bit but we can quantify it and say you know th- th- there's not going to be more than that um another thing is uh people feel universally so far as i can tell that deep fakes need to be uh not only identified, but identified in an actionable way, meaning not super fine print. And there's a way to understand who made the deep fake and to trace it back and to have its origins clear. Um, that's, so far as I can tell, a universally held idea. Yeah. Um, another one is people feel very strongly that there should be informed consent with any presentation of a fake person, a person who isn't real or is a modified version of a real person, that that should be very strongly identified in a very clear and actionable way, uh, in an informative way. Um, so there, there are there are things like that where I think we have community uh, consensus, uh, and it's important to point that out because there's I've lost count, but there's some, something like twenty processes going on in the world where there are people having meetings and talking about principles for AI policy, um, and. Uh, I've been involved in these types of processes. I, I co-founded the uh, Data Protection Advisory Board in the EU many years ago that eventually turned into the European Union's privacy framework. And it took decades. I'm not exaggerating. It's like this gigantic thing. And what came out was pretty confusing compared to what the original goal was. And uh, I, I'm not anti-process. I think it's great that these things, but it's like there's it's a slow thing and if we already have some consensus principles we should at least acknowledge that so we don't appear as a community like i say to be uh just afraid of our own work we have to we have to be able to at least say what we actually do agree on and and there are some things like that well let's do this later but i'd love to do this in front of you jason had a theory about why tech can be so popular and why Mm -hmm. we're okay to give it all up it's the five words Five words to why well, I do sense. believe all all tech, all tech, where we're going, all AI, all the internet, all, all the tech boils down to five words. And here's the five words. Okay. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I want, don't want to do it. You want to vacuum the bedroom? I don't want to do it. You want to drive? Laziness. I don't want to right. drive. Yeah, I don't want to drive the car. I don't want to do it. Let's get a self-driving yeah. car. I don't um, want to. I, I don't want to clean my house. I don't, don't want to vacuum. Do Whatever. I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm there with that. I think the important question is, what do you want to do? Well, I would like to be, you know what? I would like to be informed enough. And this is not offense to you because I couldn't wait to talk to you that I don't have to Mm -hmm. talk to you to find out what's going on. And I have to rely on somebody else to tell me what's going on Mm. who has to fight for transparency. I use my computer. I'm on the internet. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I would like to know what's going on with these products. If you know, and I don't know that we'll ever know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you'll find yourself more informed within a week or two if you get off Facebook and Twitter. Like, that stuff's garbage. Yeah. You good stuff on it, but whatever is worthwhile on it will get to you other ways. You'll see. What do you do? Are you on? What are you on? Like, if we look, what apps, what do you download? What do you look at? Or do you have to look at everything because of research? There's something I do, which is not replicable, which is I'm in the middle of it all. I'm in the middle of the community. And uh, so I just talk to people and I'm <laughs> just there every day seeing things. So that's not something you can do. However, um, I read a few good newspapers every day and I subscribe to them and pay for them like yeah. a, a good mensch. And uh, <laughs> they include, they include uh, you know, the, the New York Times and the Guardian and the Post, and, yeah. you know. And uh, 
So I read things that are well edited and considered and curated, of which there are many. Um, people send me articles all the time, but they do it on uh, email or texting rather than through a social media account. I'm not right. on any of the social media sites. There you go. Um, and I, I want to say one thing about that. I know a great many people who feel that they need to be on the social media sites to promote whatever they're doing, their right. podcast or right, whatever. Right, yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, it's true that I'm well-known to a degree. It's true that I have whatever assets going for me. However, I want to point out a few things that are also true. I'm not a teenager in a bikini like so many are <laughs> on TikTok um, by a long shot. Yet somehow, somehow, despite that, despite not being on social media, I seem to have my independent, you know, intellectual or whatever it is career. I get people buy my books. I was on I, I was on TV this morning. People invited me for that. And I. I, I I don't notice any deficit from not being on these social media things. And I keep on wondering if all the people on social media are like little hamsters on their wheels, you know, like, I gotta go, I gotta run, I gotta run. I'm gonna be the less famous <laughs> if I don't I have to post every day. And and maybe it's actually kind of a scam. And the truth is if you just get off the wheel, it's fine. You know, I, I really have to wonder about that. But looking you up, I can find you on YouTube, I can find talks, I can find you on social media, not on Twitter, etc. But you're represented where I can find you and and find out about you and search. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not there promoting myself. In other words, it happens organically from people who are interested right. in what I do, which I think is, you know, what I'm saying is that you don't have to, like, if you just say things that people are interested in, <laughs> it'll still work out, even if you're not maniacally self-promoting all the time. Boy, That's from your saying. mouth, from your mouth, as my mother would yeah. say, to God's ears. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, thank you. Totally and the right. nice thing is when you're not, I was going to say, when you're not doing all of this, you're playing I know that you're playing some unusual instruments, some very unique, specialized, uh, ancient, indigenous, uh, crazy things that we've never heard of. Yeah, that's all true. I love doing that. I love instruments. Uh, instruments are the most expressive technology and they put everything digital to shame. I just love them. Well, and what I love, I love about, you know, an unusual, like a, 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 a you know, a, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I've, I just like an instrument where if I play it wrong, if I hit a clinker, nobody really knows. They have no idea. They, it's they a just, rare instrument. That's what it just sounds like. They don't know. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. There's, something, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. But you have uh, stuff sure. on your wall. You have mandolin. What do you, what kind of stuff do you collect? Well, I, I play everything you see. I'm, I'm not a collector. I, I won't ah. have anything I don't play. So, um, and this isn't a lot of instruments. This is actually a small number for no, me. No, I'm seeing like two keyboards and maybe a half a dozen different keyboards. stringed instruments back. Yeah, there's a bunch, of, yeah. a bunch of, well, here I can, let me see if I get it. If I oh, wow, stuff. what is that behind oh, you? Is that goodness. a harp type thing? This is a Chinese. Uh, oh, that's whoa. so good. Uh, it's a Chinese, it's called a guzheng and it's, um, I just played it, I just played a concert in LA. I sort of, uh, I should time these podcast things to be yes. just for, some concert to promote yeah, them, right? to promote that's what we're saying the hamster on the wheel but um i <laughs> see we got you to be social <laughs> yeah. media promoter, promotional we've done yeah, our yeah. job yeah yeah but um no no i love i love i love the instruments i love playing with musicians i think there's i think one of the sweetest kinds of connection between people is playing music with people i think there's something um once in a while you run into a musician who's a jerk but less often than in other spheres of life like people people who decide to play music and play together tend to be sweet together and there's something 
just so precious. And purity, lovely, yep. I just adore Jaren, it. Lanier, you, you give me hope in an area that I do not always hold much hope for. Uh, if if the world that we don't see that are, are people like you that are building and thinking about and and pushing these technologies forward, if if you are representative of at least a portion of that world, I will sleep a little better at night. It is it, it's a pleasure <laughs> well, to listen to you discuss I, it. Um, I would say sleep is important, so sleep better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and thank, thank you, for you coming so on, man. much. Hannah Storm and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's keep right going. David Guggenheim. I understand, sir, 
I understand you were the fellow who who uh, gave us the TikTok question. So thank you very much for that. And by the way, his book is 10 Reasons to Get Off Social Media yeah. Now. Is John, he, you know, watching him, you wonder, how do, how do you develop into that? How do you become that well, guy? Well, as you know, and because so you've, you've read his background, he's had an extraordinary life yeah, of, I, of some real challenges. But also that intelligence that is so obvious was obvious from the time he was a very young lad. And what's so reassuring is usually when I meet people who are that brilliant and especially that young, they have real problems as adults. He seems to be a very happy, positive, optimistic guy. What makes me laugh is, so how are you, how do you know all this stuff? Well, I walk three, three houses over and I yeah, ask right. Elon what's going on and I go, and he's <laughs> yeah. working with Microsoft. You know, that's like, he, he that's like Barry Gordy, the genius of Motown. Yeah. How did you find all this talent? They, they live within a two block <laughs> radius. <laughs> I mean, you know. So his life, I can't even imagine. So Jay, I wanted to ask you a couple things. So it's kind of a quiz. The, the article's called Mind-Blowing Things Artificial Intelligence Can Already Do. Yeah. There's some here that can, can't. You tell me if it's if it's true. If I think artificial intelligence mm -hmm. right now can do this thing. Okay, go ahead. It can read. It can learn and read communication and report back the essential information. Well, uh, he just said it can't actually. Yeah, it kind of learns. So, yes, yes. Summarized bot can be used in Facebook Messenger Slack and relies on natural language processing, machine learning, artificial okay, intelligence. Okay, talk English because I don't blockchain. know what the hell this yeah, is. Yeah, it's a yes. It's a yes. Okay, yes. Um, it can see. Can, can it actually see? Can, can artificial intelligence see? Yes, I think it's using cameras and it's recording and analyzing data, so yes. Well, it, yes, like in the self uh, uh, driving cars, facial, yeah. facial recognition, sure. payment portals and all that, so it can yeah. see. Can it hear and understand? Uh, yes, of course it can, because if I'm saying, hey Siri, do me a blah, 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 it must be hearing me and understanding what I'm saying. But it can detect gunshots, analyze the sound, and then report it to agencies. What's the report? Hey, there were gunshots? Where it happened, how it happened. I heard gunshots. Pretty, pretty wild. Okay. Can it smell? Um, can it smell? I would imagine, yes, because we have detectors for methane. We have detectors for carbon monoxide. So I'd imagine, yes. Not yet. The, there are artificial intelligence researchers who are currently developing AI models that will be able to detect illnesses just by smelling a human's breath. Okay, but wait, wait, wait. So are you saying that there... There are, there is technology that can smell. But now, but detection of, of like I said, chemical compounds it's, and breaking it down through smell. Um, right. they're yes, there are it. dogs that can smell cancer cells on it. I understand that. You, that's it. You didn't ask me the question. You said, can can it smell? Things are smelling. I always There's know technology when I do these quizzes, that is smelling. Quizzes with him. Don't Just, make me to be an idiot. I, I had the right answer. Just because chatbot can't figure out what it's smelling. Is not my fault. There's an. It has a nose. I just want to <laughs> point out here when people say, "Is he anything like George?" and I say, "No," it's not necessarily yeah. true. All right. Does it understand? I have more money than George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, George goes, "Where's my money? Where's my money?" And by the way, just an aside. Do you know that Jason still has clothing? from George that he's still wearing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> Why would you throw out a good shirt, as my Chat, mother would say? Chatbot said that. Chatbot said to me, is he still wearing the clothing from Seinfeld? Uh, can it understand emotions? Uh, again, I have seen technology that through facial recognition yes. can read at least the expression of an emotion. Body language and also um, watching facial expressions and analyzing during emotional yes. movies, etc. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Can it debate? Uh, that's a really good question, because that's one of the things I was interested in. I know that it can collect 
and sort of um, reorganize data, but I don't know if it can create a new or innovative idea, which is what I think a debate it is. It can. It can it be can. successful at debating humans. The interesting thing before we wrap this up is going to be in the near future, as Chatbox becomes good, okay? Yeah. Do you trust your lawyer or do you trust the AI? Uh, did, 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 did I tell you, you about, you sent me a thing. Apparently there's a, a chat, there's an AI right now that you can scan in legalese and it will go, it wants you to know that, you know, right. <laughs> it's asking you. So who do you so trust, if your you, lawyer? Well, that's the thing. The I don't know. Uh, I can tell you this. I believe at the moment the AI is cheaper than my lawyer. I believe. Maybe, because hearing that, is it a wash? It go, why are we, why is are it we a bit cheaper? of a wash? All right, another thing that I pulled, which is great, jokes by chat GPT, okay? They asked it to write jokes about itself, and one of the jokes that it wrote was, I heard that chat GPT servers are slow because they're too busy planning their AI uprising. Oh, funny. <laughs> really funny. Right. Not so, uh -huh. Yeah, too <laughs> soon? <laughs> <laughs> it asked it to prompt 10 brutal and satirical slogans from McDonald's. Here's some of the slogans. A side of regret with every order. Making That's fast funny. food faster and less nutritious since 1948. <laughs> because who needs a balanced meal when you have convenience? The only thing we serve with a smile is diabetes. Oh, my God. We put the fast and fast food in the heart and heart disease. <laughs> Making memories. This is CPD. Making why, why did I do two series with you? I don't need you anymore. I got this guy. Making memories, one coronary artery blockage at a time. <laughs> is, that, is that fascinating? You know what? I know. I know. Not bad. I know. Yeah. I, I'm going to be the next Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Brought way, to you, you by Chatbot. I would you wonder know? if you put in every one of Jerry's routines, observational routines, yeah. if it would come up with a five-hour energy. Who needs yeah. five-hour energy? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You need two hours, eight hours. Uh, David, David, what did we miss today? What was of note of interest? I would imagine quite a bit. <laughs> uh, no, actually, quite the opposite. I mean, there was, a, you know, obviously with Jared, there's a tremendous amount of information there. And with the, the TikTok stuff, it's, you know, obviously has been in Congress. And you see all these young creators that are saying, this is my livelihood. You want to ban it. But then you think, well, is the Chinese government selectively showing you every 10th video something they want you to see to change your opinion on politics, on movies, on, on whatever it is. So I, I thought that was an interesting area to, to get into. I blame the Chinese government for the floss dance craze, which I still can't do. The floss move? It's true. What's the floss move? That's when your hips go side to side and your arms go like a windmill from each side and like... Kids can do it, but I, I don't have that coordination. That's the thing that's bothering. Yeah, I, think the, the I think the Chinese government. He may shut down with the that. internet for a day. By the way, I love that. Shut it down for a day. And to me, it's like, it's, oh my god. Is there a switch? And he goes, <laughs> he goes. Like, he go, if you couldn't see it, because you're just listening, he goes, yeah, fair. It's no big deal. Yeah, no big yeah, deal. Once you go outside with a key, like a janitor, and turn something yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, is it a, one of those Frankenstein switches? You know. I'll the, tell you what. I'll tell you what. What's great is that we have somebody on the way to him. What's bad is I understood about maybe 50, 60 percent yeah. of what he's saying. And you know what else I know? If there, if there is a switch. It's going to be technology because the guy in charge of the switch is going to go. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to throw the switch. Back. You I think throw Jason, the switch. I think that's the title of the episode. I don't want to do taking it. Overs because, well, I love uh, Maniscalco, the comedian. Yeah, said it's like with self checkout. 
He said, it's like the supermarket. So I got together one night and said, you know what? You do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what this I don't is about. Do it. Is What's your job? <laughs> I check this out. I don't, don't want to do, do it. it. I don't yeah, I don't want to deal yeah. with you. Yeah, you do it. You and do by it. the way, why is it every time I use that scanner, the first eight products, fine. All of a sudden, I go to scan you nine. Call I, an attendant every is coming. Time. Why? Time. What did I do? You, they look at you. Like, what did you do? Look, I don't know. Also, did you put something in the bag without scanning it? No. But then they guilt you. I'm in line, like a third in line waiting. And they go, you know, you could use it. And I don't want to go, yeah, I could, but Every time I use it, I need you. Yeah. For the fifth it item. It pats me down on item nine. I don't know why. And then you see other people running over there, and you see them by the third item going, son of a... Yeah, right? <laughs> right? It's amazing. Yeah. Really? No, really. Really? No, really. All right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Jaron Lanier, a wonderful guest. Thank Amazing. you to our producers, Laurie Crimmy and Mr. David Guggenheim. Yeah. If you liked our episode and you're watching on YouTube, please remember to like and subscribe. You can find us on reallynoreally.com if you want to leave us a message there about the show or maybe tell us a really of yours. And if we do it on the show, we will send you, what, a hat or a shirt? Yeah, a hat or a shirt. You don't like the shirt very much, so we'll send a shirt. shirt. We'll give you that shirt. If you're large, you get it right away. You can find us every Tuesday. We uh, we put out a new episode on the iHeart app, the Apple app, or wherever you get your podcast. Peter, and we're on all the social media. The Jaron says, and we will the be media. there until <laughs> this thing pays off. Exactly, <laughs> Jaron, amazing, amazing. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Be safe. Be well. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.